You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Okay, this morning I am totally trusting that God will do what he alone will do for us in Jesus' name. I'm in need of his help just as you are in need of his help. And we are praying that the Holy Spirit will overshadow us. Will take of that which is of heaven and bring it down to us. And touch us and transform us and impregnate us. And just make us into what our Father wants us to be. Lord, open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your word. Speak to us. Speak to each man in his or her own language. Help the teacher. Help the hearers. Let eternity, O Lord, be affected by what you do here in time. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we are still in the season where we mark... Or remember the suffering, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's still very fresh, and ideally it should remain fresh in our minds forever and ever. Amen. So, if you would come with me for uh, purposes of a text, let's go to Luke chapter 24. And we're going to take an account from... Where I think we touched it last Sunday, we just pick up from there. It's a bit lengthy, but we can do it because it's the word of God. You know, in the time of Ezra, when the children of Israel came back from captivity, when they gathered, the Bible said they read the Bible for six hours. Praise the Lord. So those who are making services brief and shorter and shorter, I don't know where they are learning it. Recommended time for worship service. Praise the Lord. Six hours. But you see, they came back from captivity. And the captivity was as a result of them not hearing the word of God. So when they experienced captivity, they had an appetite for the word of God. It is too much enjoyment that makes somebody not want to hear the word of God. When you experience adversity, you want to know the truth. Praise the Lord. Luke 24. I read from verse 6. So it says, He's not here, but his reason. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the thought they rise again, and they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves. And he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. 
But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you work and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in those days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then Jesus, then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread and blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found eleven and those who were with them gathered together. 34. Saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. 36. Now as they say these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that sin a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, 
beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, these are the events that we have recorded for us after that resurrection morning as the people were experiencing and hearing the news that was coming out. And we started from verse 6, which says, He's not here, but is reason. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. And part of what had been my meditation throughout this you know, season is, I think we may have said that before, but how could they have forgotten what he said to them? I mean, it's not the kind of statement that somebody makes and it just escapes you. And if it did by any reason, when the events began, they should have recalled it. Praise the Lord. And it's important for me because, you see, we are living in a world. There's this program that I see on television sometimes, and I'm not able to watch it like I would want to watch it because I think my wife doesn't like watching it. It's Air Crash Investigations. How many of us see that program? Air Crash Investigations. Now, the thing about that program is that you are able, or rather we are able to have a high percentage of safety on air because they investigate air crashes. Do you know that some of the reasons they find out is that one little nut somewhere is either over-tightened or under-tightened, just one little nut. So every air crash, they spend resources, millions of dollars, Years investigating what happened. Why do they do that? To learn from their mistakes so that it doesn't happen again. And any discipline that is making progress, that is what they do. They learn from the mistakes of those who have gone ahead. Now, the truth is, I don't know about you, but for me as a Christian, whenever I read these things, I ask myself, what is it that I'm to remember now that I'm not remembering? What is it that I'm missing out on now? Because it's so easy. Listen, you see, we're we're human beings and it's the same configuration we have. These men, Peter, James, John, all of them, they were men like us. The Bible says men of like passions. So they are the extreme ones, the beautiful ones they did that we challenge ourselves to. But there were areas of their failure that must make us sit down And, you know, introspect and search ourselves. What could be happening? How can such an event, last Sunday we saw, we saw that the scribes and the Pharisees remembered. And they went to Pilate to say, please, this man said he'll rise again. Let's make the uh, tomb, what, as secure as possible. The chief priests, the scribes, they remembered. But the disciples didn't remember. What is the thing that... I'm not remembering now. What are those areas possibly that I may be overlooking? And, you know, without overemphasizing it, this world is not our home. Praise the Lord. Jesus, you know, if you read further down in the New Testament, what he keeps saying is, I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. It's something that you know, but you never remember when you factor your decisions. And that is what he's saying to us here. He says, didn't the Son of Man say, 
that he will be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the thought they rise again. The Bible makes us understand that when we see all these sorrows, when we see the things happening in our world today, we should lift up our eyes and look up. Isn't that what he said? But do we actually look up when we see these things happening? We get into depression, we get into panic, we get into fear, we get into worry. It shouldn't worry us. It's in the book. Praise the Lord. He said it will happen. Okay? So, whenever he says, don't you remember, verse 8 says, and they remembered his words. Why didn't they have it in the front of their mind? Let's look at three instances. Let me show you why. The first instance is in Mark 8, 31 to 33. The first time he told them this, you know, Mark 8, 31. He says, and he began. In fact, what I saw was that he taught them He announced it. He said it in every way possible. He began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days will do what? What can be complicated in this? What is difficult to remember or to understand or to hear in this? But let's see what happened in 32 and 33. 32 says, it says, he spoke this word how? Openly. Some translations will say plainly. It says, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Why was Peter rebuking him? So Peter heard what he said. He was rebuking him based on what he said, isn't it? So Peter was rebuking him based on what he said. How can you rebuke somebody for what he said and still not remember what he said that made you rebuke him? The Bible makes us understand that, you know, in the parable of the seed and the sower, it said when the seed is sown, what happens? It said the devil comes and what? And steals the seed. The truth is this. These things are deeper than we think. Because you look at our world and you, you look at even yourself and you look around you and you see the way people blatantly do what they know they shouldn't do. And you're wondering, what are you thinking? But we see it here. Peter rebuked him for this thing. And yet when they told Peter his reason... He didn't say, yes, that's it. We knew it. He said it. He didn't. One of the accounts said, he and John ran to the tomb and they peeped in and they said, "Ah, what's going on here? He ran inside, check, and then he came out. In fact, this account that we read says, Peter went home marveling to himself what happened. How can he be marveling? What does the word marvel mean? Wondering. How can you wonder what you have already been informed? It's deep, sir. Praise the Lord. It's deep. That's why as a Christian, at whatever stage you find yourself, the Bible says, take heed, he that thinks he stands, what, lest he what? He falls. I mean, how could this be possible? How can he, Peter, not know? How can he be marveling? How can he be thinking? Ah, what happened? When Jesus said this openly, and you rebuked him, said you will not die, nothing is going to happen to you. He rebuked him. I don't know what it may be. But what I sense is this, from the parable of the seed and the sower, when the word comes and you don't receive it, the word does not hang around. Praise the Lord, somebody. The word doesn't what? It doesn't hang around. Because obviously, yeah, Peter didn't receive it. He says he came to his own, but his own word did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them what? He gave the power. So it's like rain. When the rain falls, if you don't gather it, Can you come out tomorrow and say, let me take water from the rain because it rained yesterday? No. If you miss it at that moment, you've missed it. He heard it, but he didn't receive it. Another one, Mark 9, 31 to 32. You see what happened in this case. 
Very interesting things that we, we see here. He said, for he taught his disciples and said to them, the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. And after he's killed, he will rise the third day. What did he do? He taught them, 32. He said, but they did not understand the saying and we are afraid to what? This is the reason why you must come for kingdom kids. Listen to me. You know, sometimes you sit down, you look at the pastor and you think, ah, pastor. I wasn't born again as pastor. When I got born again, I've told you this story. I thought Isaac was the first son of Abraham. You can laugh. I thought the reason Islam was not the genuine faith was that they were following the second born. The one that didn't have the inheritance. I didn't know what happened. I didn't understand it. But I know better. I got born again completely not knowing. Just dead and giving birth to and became a Christian. I get it. Now I realized that until I started attending midweek service. My spiritual growth was nothing to write home about. Listen to me. Hunger. For the word of God is a sign of spiritual health. Do we have doctors here? When you go to the doctor for any ailment, part of the things they do is they take your temperature, they take what they call your vitals. One of the questions they'll ask is, how is your what? Appetite. If you don't have appetite, no matter how well you look, they'll know there's something wrong. The same thing spiritually. You cannot tell me you're a Christian you make out time. You watch Chelsea. You watch Man U. You watch uh, Telemundo. You watch all kinds of things. You spend 60 minutes or whatever on Facebook, on TikTok, on TopTac, all of that. But to budget four hours a week to build your spiritual life, you can't afford it. You are too poor spiritually. Even when it's available online, you thought that on Wednesday, since a lot of people maybe for some reason work and all of that, are not able to come physically, they will join online. But you don't do it. Why? You don't understand. You don't understand what is at stake. The Bible talked about the Bereans. It says they would go home and they would search the scriptures to see if what Paul taught was so. You can't tell me you want to grow as a Christian and then you just dash God. How many of us there can survive eating one Sunday a week? Physical food. Do you know what the Bible says concerning spiritual food? It says, man shall not live by what? Bread alone, but by, which means it's possible to live by the word of God alone, but it's not possible to live by bread alone. Isn't that what that statement says? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out. So there is a word proceeding every day. Night unto night reveals knowledge. Day unto day, utter for speech. Every day, God is saying something. How secure can you be spiritually that you don't tell yourself, I need to hear the word of God? How can you take that chance? Praise the Lord. Okay, so Mark 9, 31, 32. Now, see what happened here. 32, 33 now. It says, but they did not understand the saying. They didn't understand the saying. See why they didn't understand the saying. 33 says, then he came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked the disciples, what was it you disputed amongst yourselves on the road? Now, hold on here. So, while Jesus was teaching, just like in any class. Do, do I have anybody who's taught here before? You've done a bit of teaching. Okay, we've all been students. Now, you know that no matter how bright, intelligent you are, 
if you don't focus on what the teacher is saying, you will not have understanding. In fact, the reason most of us and our children and our words don't do well in school is that they don't pay attention. If you pay attention, if you're able to give the teacher 100% concentration in class, I bet you, you have already passed that course. Because everything necessary for you to take note of, the teacher will emphasize it. But what happens is that most times when we're in class or in a place like that, people bring a, a conversation, you know, tell you something, point something to you, and you lose concentration. At that moment, you lose what is being communicated to you. What is happening here is this. Jesus knew that they were distracted. That's why they didn't understand. What was the distraction? Let's see so we can move on. 34. 34 says, but they kept silent. Why? Because on the road, what did they dispute among themselves? Who would be? They were disputing who would be what? Now, Jesus is saying, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be betrayed and buried and rise again. The third day. And the people he's talking to are saying, John, I'll be greater than you. How can they hear? And we've established that if it's not received immediately, you can't warm it in the microwave. You can't warm the word of God in the microwave. You must catch it now and hold on to it. They were disputing who would be the greatest. So the words that were being spoken could not penetrate them. Now, why is Christianity the way it is in our time? You know why? The average worshiper is not interested in knowing God. The average person coming into church is not coming to meet with God. The average person coming into church is coming to have his problem solved. Two different things. God solves our problems. But God expects you to do what? To meet with him. The Bible says he made known unto the children of Israel his acts. But his ways he made known unto who? Moses. Two different things. They were saying who would be the greatest. Because amongst them all. They know that Jesus was the greatest. But now, who will be second? Now, let me show you the third one. So, we'll move on from there. Mark 10. Why they would not remember. So, in our time, when you find yourself in a time where everything about your faith is about now, now, now. Every prayer, every meditation, every process. Never 10 ways to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Never 10 ways to be more humble. It's always 10 ways to hit the jackpot. 10 ways to do this, 10 ways to do that. You see that you will not be able to hear. Let's look at Mark 10 now, 32 now. It says, now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. In three chapters, Jesus has taught them this. And Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the 12 aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, continue. And they will mock him, and scourge him, and spit on him, and kill him. Can you see the details? And the third day he will rise again. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us what we ask. Can you see it? No interest into what he said. They don't care. They couldn't be bothered. Look at that word. Then... He finished the statement, then they waited for him to finish, and they said, please, all this one you're saying. One of the accounts said they brought their mother, so it was premeditated. They brought their mother, and their mother said to Jesus, you see, these my two sons, they're special to me. Make them special to you. That's what they did. 
Now, with a scenario like this, we may read down to 37, please. 36. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? This is what they said. They said to him, grant us that we may sit. One on your right and the other on your your left in your glory. What you're talking is your business. This is what we want. Anytime a people, a generation have this attitude to Christianity, they can never know God. And this is where we are. What God will do for me. You know, I feel pained whenever, you know, most of us are on social media. I go on social, and what people are just saying, me, 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 my family, me, 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 me. And I'm wondering, where is the God who created you? Like the song we sang, say, you're my what? Treasure. You're my treasure. In fact, someone noted that it's recently that even our songs, read the old hymns. All the old hymns, we are talking about him. All the modern songs are talking about us. That's why we may not hear. That's why, God forbid, but that will be true. Many Christians, churchgoers, will miss the rapture. The same way these disciples could not remember. Brothers and sisters, if you can't hear anything, Peter was marveling that Jesus rose from the dead. How can he marvel? Marveled. What happened? That shows you how far... They were from the things of God. In fact, one of the accounts, the first one we read, the way the Bible says Jesus rebuked Peter. He said to him, for you're not mindful of the things of God. Christians today are not mindful of the things of God. And we the preacher has not helped you because we preach you. We preach you happy. We preach you, you know, secure. We preach you. And the challenge of that preaching, brothers and sisters, is, is it working? Is it working? All that sentimental, you know, private, you know, is it working? People are, you know, just flooding everywhere. Is it working? How many of them have that testimony? You can't steal from God. Praise the Lord, somebody. I can't hear you. I'm sure you're not very happy. Be happier because... (laughs) Praise the Lord. Oh, yes. Is it really working? Jesus came and said to the disciples... He said, have you caught any fish? I told you to wait for me. Peter said, I go out fishing. And the other said, I beg we join you. They backslid. And when they went, they tore, they tried, they tried. They could not catch one fish. Jesus came and asked them, children, this is your move. What has it brought for you? They said, nothing. He said, oh, yeah, come and eat fish. He brought them. He did not go to fish, but he had roasted fish and bread. Because there is no way you can sort your life out better than Jesus can sort it for you. Is somebody hearing me? Nobody can do for you more than Jesus can do for you. And the world remains the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And these other things shall be. There's no other way. There's no other way. So that's where we are. Where people, he said, just master, do for us what, can you imagine that? And then people are teaching us today now. That when you go to pray, don't even find God's will. Just decree it, believe it, hold on to it, keep saying it. Abba, are you God? He said, this is the confidence that we have. That if we ask anything according to what? His will. His will. That he hears us. And if he hears us, then we know. We have the assurance that we have the petition granted to us. This is what the Bible says. But where people bring out all kinds of things. And you know, I think the people who teach those things. They really have a high capacity for refresh. Because there are some things I'll teach you today. If by Tuesday you've not called me to say you are broken. You have heat. On Wednesday you won't see me. 
But the people have the capacity. Every day they will tell you it's now, it's now. Shout, take it, take it, shout, take it. Tomorrow they'll come and start again. And you're wondering, didn't you shout yesterday? But you see, the way it works, it works like lottery. It works like uh, Niger bet. Bet Niger. That's the way it works. The way it works is that as more people are coming, out of a thousand people, one person will have a testimony. Then they bring you out. I said it. Look at it. Hear it. Hear it. And then the person says, everybody will shout. You forget that there are 999 that have been shouting. What I'm trying to say to us today is this. This whole thing is God's idea. Your being alive is God's, is God's idea. He created you. And he loves you. And he has a plan for you. He says, I know the thoughts that what? I think towards you. And he says, well, there are thoughts of good and not of evil. I can paraphrase. Say, stick with me. Tell your neighbor, stick with him. Stick with him. Praise the Lord. Okay, so verse 12 says, Peter marveled to himself. And we see how he'll be marveling at such a time. 13 now begins to tell us about two of the disciples who were traveling. And these two disciples, they made this journey. And the Bible says, as they made the journey, they talked together of all the things that had happened. You know, every time we preach this, you know, part of the message, we always, you know, beat up on these two disciples. But I saw some nice things about them. Number one thing that I saw there was that when they were walking, it was two disciples, not one disciple and an unbeliever. Some of us are born again, but our closest friends are hidden. That's there. And your light is not touching them. It's not that you tell me, Pastor, Pastor, I'm trying to minister to you. Your light is not touching. If anything, their own darkness is encroaching on you. So, can you help me ask your neighbor, who are your pals? Because you see, how do I know that's important? If these two were not disciples, Jesus would not have appeared to them. Who are your pals? Who are closest to you? If the person is an unbeliever, win him to Christ. If you can't win him to Christ, save your soul because he will win you to his own side. Praise the Lord, somebody. That's the way it works. Somebody is hearing the word of the Lord. I pray that grace will abound to you in Jesus' name. Two disciples, not one disciple, and they hid him. And their conversation also interesting. They talked about the things that had happened. The Bible says, 15, while they conversed and reasoned, they were trying to make sense. What is going on? They were conversing and reasoning on spiritual things. On the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. They were wrong, but they were in the right direction. They were seeking. And the Bible makes us understand that if we draw near to God, what is he going to do? He will draw near to us. So you don't have to stay in a place of perfection. But you have to be moving in the direction of perfection. Praise the Lord. It's understandable that you don't know. But are you seeking to know? Okay? Someone has written and said, A fool is he that does not know. And does not know that he doesn't know. Not knowing is not a problem. Once you know, you don't know, and you seek to know, you're blessed. So these people, you know, they were reasoning, they were trying to make sense, okay? And it was in that state that the Bible says, Jesus drew near to them. Scripture being fulfilled, James 4, a draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you have sought for me with what? All of your heart. So, in fact, somebody said, and I agree so much. You know, we can sit down here, and in our mind, we know some spiritual giants. Somebody, I, I was sitting with uh, my brother at, at some point, the senior apostle here. And somebody said to him, ah, see how you just, you know, read out almost the entire epistle. Just, you know, quoted it offhand. And the person said, 
I think I was the one that said, I said it's a gift. I said it's a gift because I can't do it. Okay. But he said it's not a gift, that he worked hard for it. What have you worked hard for spiritually? Ah, pastor, I can't be like that. Ah, mommy, I can't be like that. Ah, brother, sir, I can't be like that. Which one can you be? Ah, this person, ah, no. Ah, me, if you touch me, I'll fight. Me, if it's me, I will do it. Where are you perspiring? Where are you pressing on as a Christian? Is somebody hearing me? He said, you shall find me when you wish to find me. Is that what he said? When you want, search for me with all of your heart. Listen, the parables of Jesus are nuggets that are not negotiable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who found a pearl of great price. And for sake of it, he went with joy and sold all that he had and did what? And bought that pearl. Until the kingdom is that precious to you to cost you everything. You can't have it. That's what Jesus was saying there. Until it's more important to you than your career, everything. You can't really have it. Praise the Lord, somebody. Okay? So that was what happened there. They conversed, they desired, and Jesus showed himself. Okay? Now, the Bible also said something there, 16, which is very important. 16 put something there, which I asked the Lord. I said, how? Why? It says, but their eyes were restrained so that they didn't know him. And I began to inquire. And he said the reason their eyes were restrained was because God wanted to do something more solid than appearance. The Bible said, Isaiah 11:3. B, please put it on the screen for us. It talks about when the Son of God comes, the Spirit of the Lord God shall be upon him, the Spirit of fear, the Spirit of this. And then in verse 3 it says, his delight will be what? In the fear of the Lord. And how shall he judge? It says he shall not judge by what? The sight of of his eyes give us the message translation it says he shall not judge by appearance jesus wanted to lay a pattern in his encounter with this people that will be sufficient for me and you and for all eternity because if not he had to be appearing to every one of us what does he say here he said he won't judge by what appearances spiritual maturity is that you depend less on appearances and put more faith in the word of God. It is written. It is written. And that's what happened here. You now find out that as Jesus, you know, conversed with them and conversed with them, what he did, which, you know, uh, let, me, let me take this part. I don't want to miss it. We're going to come to them. So Jesus said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another? And as you walk and as sad. And immediately here, it's clear to us that Jesus was saying, you are sad. I can see. And the reason for this sadness is the conversation you are having. Praise the Lord. Now, how many of us have not really been very happy? You're sad. The reason I am sad or you may be sad is not because, you know, of anything apart from what I am thinking about. It is my conversation. It is my meditation that produces my countenance. My countenance is not automatic. It is a product. So Jesus said, what kind? Because this conversation you're having is producing what? Sadness of countenance. And for you and I, that is a key. Because if we key into it, you know the Bible says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, he said, what should you do? 
He said, meditate on these things. Because when the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord, and I say what well, again, rejoice. He's telling you how. Brothers and sisters, I can't remember what used to happen in my life. Maybe if my parents annoy me or something. I want to cry, but they didn't really annoy me. So I start thinking of what annoyed me really. Then maybe something that happened in school. When I remember it well enough, then tears will come out. Then they'll have mercy on me. You see, you can make rain. <laughs> you can make tears. Do you understand? In fact, do you know what happens when someone, you know, unquote, annoys you? Someone just does one little thing and annoys you. You know what really happens? You go and fetch everything that the person has done that you don't like. Because, you see, if someone just, assuming I come now, and I say to Pastor Livingston, Hey, Pastor Living, okay, this is 100K. I just want to bless you. Take it. And then I step on his shoes, mistakenly. What's going to be his response? No worries, Abby. But assuming, <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? You see, listen to me. You can excuse yourself from what I'm talking about. But you're responsible for your countenance. We've said here before, the Lord told me to announce one day, there is no sorry Christian case. Any Christian, no Christian has a right to be pitied. Christ in us is the hope of what? Glory. Jesus has died for me. How can you be pitying me? My name is in the book of life. How can you be pitying me? My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. How can you be pitying me? Do you understand? I've been accepted in the beloved. How can I be a, a case for pity? No Christian. But you see, we often position ourselves in that place because we generate a lot of reasons why we should not be happy. But David the psalmist, you know, he told us why. If there was anyone that had reasons to be sad and downcast, that was David. But these are some of the things he taught us. Psalm 42 verse 5. David said, why are you so downcast, O my soul? What did he say? He said, come on, put your hope in God. You know, if I were a pastor going around and I look at somebody, I say, what's wrong with you? Come on, put your hope in God. People say, this pastor, eh? Not sure where. He should go and become carpenter. Huh? Someone is sad, he should say, eh? Hey, yeah. No, what happened? But this is what David said. David said, why are you cast down? He wasn't speaking to another person. He was speaking to himself. He said, why disquieted within me? He said, hope in God. King James says, put your hope in God. Sadness, worry, all of that. It's because you have put yourself in another place. You have set your affections. You have set your expectations somewhere else. In Psalm 103 from verse 1 to 5, it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me do what? Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. If you can think of his benefits continually, you will never have a moment of sadness. It's work, but it's work you and I expected to do. You know, do we want to really, you know, look at this life the way it is? Everybody can generate reasons for complaint. Let me take a common one. Married people, what my husband did or is not doing, eh? Or what my wife is doing or not doing. If the judges of your life were all single people, where will you be? Every time you're complaining, this is my wife, this is my husband, this is my wife. And they brought single people to judge you. Which type of prison do you think they will put you in? Okay, maybe you're single. And your problem is loneliness and all of that, we understand. And you're just complaining, you know. And then they bring the single people that are in the hospital. And they say, please, judge this, uh, our fellow brothers and sisters. 
Their problem is loneliness. He said, I want to leave this world. I want to leave this world. I want to go and stay in my room. I want to lock the door in my house and look around. And I, I don't want to lie down in the world. Ward 5, bed 6. Do you get what I'm talking about? You can't decide to complain. You can't decide to be, you know, distraught and all of that. But you don't have the right. That's what I'm saying. It's your conversation. It's not your situation. It's what you're thinking. Because if you think better... The psalmist said, why are you downcast? He asked the question. And this morning I'm speaking to someone listening to me. Why are you downcast? This is the reason, you know, people will come and they say, join me to praise the Lord. And he said, what happened? Do you know I was in a car and he somersaulted seven times and I came out, hallelujah. But if that car had arrived safely to its destination, as far as it's concerned, God hasn't done anything. Do you need God to be helping you to be rejoicing? Do you understand? I mean, we can be so unreasonable, unspiritual. You don't have money. That's the problem. Some people have money and they're looking for solution to their problems with money. Money can bring it. The woman that had issue of blood, the Bible says she had spent all her livelihood, but nothing better. People have money, but they don't have health. They don't have peace. They don't have fulfillment. Do you know that it is the blessing of God to be satisfied? What? kind of conversation are you having some of us may have read about the man you know who was flying in a plane either he was driving he said a plane a private jet fly by and he just looked and said oh someday you know I, I want to be able to fly instead of driving and another person was in a bike you know just riding and he saw the man in the car and said someday you know i want to just be in the car driving instead of riding and then another person was there who was walking with aid crutches and said, oh, I wish I could just ride with my legs. I wish I didn't have to hop. And then another person, you know, saw the person, you know, that had, you know, the crutches and said, oh, no, I wish, I just wish I could move from where I am. He was paralyzed. And then another person saw the man who was paralyzed. He was, you know, seated on the floor there wearing shoes. He said, I wish I had legs so I can at least put shoes on my legs. That's life. Now, somebody listening to me may think, why am I telling you the lower side? Why am I not telling you the higher side? I'm going to get there. Because, you see, part of what this resurrection brought to my meditation is this. Jesus Christ said, remember at um, Miriam Martha's house, when he arrived and Martha said to him, Master, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus said to him, you know, I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, shall live. And even if he dies, he shall live again. Now, do you know some things that I'm not very clear on that, but I'll throw it to us and the Holy Spirit will help. Do you know some things that are beginning to unfold to me in this resurrection period? Is that one of the major things it must do for you and I as believers is that it must take our mind out from being set on time to eternity. Praise the Lord. It must take our minds out from being what? Set on time to what? Eternity. You must understand this. Let me explain this. If I'm not able to finish the text, we'll, we'll do that again. But let me try and ex- explain this. You see, God inhabits eternity. The only reason we have time is because God created you and I. Praise the Lord. It was at our creation that God also introduced time. The beginning and the morning were the first day. That was when God put in time. Now, God deals with man in time. But God's promise to us is in eternity. Are you with me? Okay. So God inhabits eternity. In eternity, everything is now. Are you following me? Everything is now. There is no tomorrow in eternity. 
Now, when God speaks, he speaks from where he is. He speaks from his position as the eternal God. You know, Timothy says the king of eternity, king eternal. That's what it means. That's where he reigns from. But you and I in time. Now, because we're in time, they had put something necessary in time for us in this journey to enable us to cooperate and walk with the God who inhabits eternity. Are you following me, please? Now, there's something the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? The fruit of the Spirit is something that believers have neglected and have not pursued and is only to our own shame. Because the fruit of the Spirit is what is essential for you and I to live this life the way God ordained it to be lived. Okay? You know? The way God ordained it to be lived. So, in that fruit of the Spirit, there is something that is called patience or New King James will call it what? Long-suffering. The Bible says, be followers of those who through what? Faith and what? Patience. Inherit the promise. The fruit of the Spirit says now joy, peace, love. Patience or long-suffering. If you do not understand that part of it, you cannot successfully walk with God. Because where God is, there's no time. In fact, if you want to discuss time with God, God will tell you, okay, tomorrow. And tomorrow will be 1,000 years time. Is someone hearing me? Or he might not say, I'll do it today. And then today, God will work today what it would take you a thousand years to do. So the Bible says, with the Lord, a day is what? As a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day. What's that telling you? Time means nothing to God. But you and I are in time. So when Jesus came into the world and all that process, he came just to die. Now you wonder why three days? Why not one second? Why not two seconds? Why not one hour? Why even three days? Why not three months? Why all of that? We don't understand the technicality of that, but that was what was prophesied and that was what he did. But you and I now, as creatures in time, must learn to hear God and see God as the God who inhabits where? Eternity. It means that the promises of God to me are not bound in time. Can I hear you repeat that? The promises of God to me are not what? Bound in time. You know why? Because there's this, you know, thing now. For those that are from the east, there's this club, you know, when we're growing up, people's club. They used to have the song, it says, it says, people's club, you know, what shall we do? It says, let us Billy Bendu. That is, let us enjoy life. After we finish enjoying life, we sort out what is going to, you know, happen later. You see, there's this thinking that people are saying, whatever good you have for me, do it for me now. It's okay if you're dealing with men who live in time. But when you're dealing with God, you can't speak to God in that language. You know why? Because where God is, you don't exist only in time. I'm going to show you a scripture, very important. Hebrews 11, 13. Because these are some of the things that Christians need to understand. And then their joy can be full. Hebrews 11, 13. What does this say? Read it for me, everybody. These are what? I can't hear you. What did they do in faith? They didn't take it. They didn't possess it. Continue. Are you sure? Is this the Bible saying this? Not Pastor Ikenna's uh, note. Is this what the Bible says? Continue, continue. But what? Having seen them afar off, what happened? So faith, even though they didn't receive it, they were what? Hold on. So faith says, I can be assured of it without really having it in my pocket. Is that what that scripture is saying? Continue. It says, and what? Embrace them and confess that what? 
they were strangers. And didn't we start from here? That the church must get back to our proper location. He's coming again. He's coming to take us to where he's prepared for us. Here we are. We are here on demo, demonstration. That's why we should hold tightly to nothing. As long as we're here. It says these all died in faith. Not having received the promises. But having seen them afar off. They were assured of them. Embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims. Let me show you another scripture. So you get what I'm saying. Job 19. Job spoke to us. In Job 19.26. This is what Job said. Job was going through a season that no man has ever experienced in this world. And this is what he said. He says, and after, you can just give us 25, so we'll have a background. Job said, for I know what? What he's saying there is that my redeemer is eternal. Are you with me? The one I'm dealing with is what? Eternal. The one that has made promises to me is what? Eternal. He says, I know that my redeemer lives and he shall stand at last on the earth. Which means he shall have his say ultimately. Praise the Lord somebody. Okay. 26, he goes further to say, And after my skin is destroyed, this I what? That in my flesh I shall... After what would have happened? My skin is destroyed. We can look at several translations. Maybe let's see the ERV translation, please. Just 26 now. Okay, let's read 25. I know that there's someone who to defend me and that he leaves. That's eternity. And in the end, he'll stand here on earth and defend me. He says, after I leave my... So this body is a tent. A time is going to come, I will leave my body. When I leave that body, I will still see God. Now, understanding is that the Bible says, God, Jesus speaking, says, God is spirit. I think you're all serious believers because the Holy Spirit is taking us deep today. He said, God is spirit and those who must worship him, must worship him how? In spirit and in what? Not with suits. Don't mind this suit we are wearing. Can I tell you something about the clothing we are wearing and what you actually see? These are makeshift. They are mechanic, you know, they are like your car came from Mercedes and then a roadside person does your engine and you're just going and the sound has changed from Mercedes sound to Suzuki. <laughs> you know, to one funny sound. The way we are supposed to operate, we are supposed to be clothed with glory. We are supposed to wear clothes. Mankind was supposed to be moving clothed with God's glory. Clothes is after the fall of man that we needed to wear clothes. You see, the dimension where we are to operate in, we are fallen. But if we are not careful, we keep falling more. I follow. So it says God is spirit. And those who must worship him, must worship him. In spirit, that means you have to come to his dimension. So when somebody comes, we've said here, when somebody comes and says, God, I worship you. You have not blessed me. Look at this. Look at that. Look at that. What we have done is that we have said to a spirit God, show yourself to me or let me deal with you in the flesh. So Job says, after my skin, my body is destroyed. I know that the real Job will see you. I give you another scripture. Very interesting one now. Luke 20, 38. This was a part of the conversation that Jesus was having with the Sadducees. And they had come to ask him the question about a man, a woman who had married, you know, a man and the man died. And he married the second man and the man died. And they brought up this difficult question. In the resurrection, whose wife will she be? And he laughed and told them that that's not what happens. Anyway, this is what he said. Today it says what? It's talking about God. It said, for he is not the God of what? He told them, look at what Moses said when God appeared to him. 
God said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and what? Jacob. He said, where God is, there's no dead person. Are you listening to what I'm talking about? You see, I can die to you, you can die to me. But you can't die to God. No. If I could die to God, then God must hurry up and do what he has said to do for me. If not, if I die, he can't do it again. The psalmist said, I would have fainted unless I believed that I'll see the goodness of the Lord where? In the land of the living. That living does not have to be this physical body. That's what resurrection taught us. Please hear it. That's what resurrection taught us. Resurrection taught us that there is life after this physical body is what? Destroyed. That's Christianity. That's Christianity. Listen to me. Even as a bad person, if I know, assuming I'd never heard the gospel, but I know that I can come now and look at Ahmed. Ahmed has a car I like. I kill him, I take his car. But I hear that people rise from the dead. As I'm driving the car, I say, when I die, now Ahmed will be older than me in the land of the living. He will now re-kill me. Do you get what I'm saying? He said, just without God, just that people rise again will alter every equation. Because why do people kill? You finish him. And then you take what is his own. You finish him and you close his mouth. He can't speak. But if you understand that the man you finish has arrived that word before you. So he's doing press up waiting for you. The day he come in as a baby, he say, now you kill me, I'll be here. But, but we don't understand it again. We don't teach it. We don't believe it. The weekend of resurrection teaches you and I that resurrection nullifies death. Death is no longer final. So why should I be afraid that God must hurry up? To bless me before I die. No. He said, these all died in faith. Not having received. But they embraced it. They held on to it. Because you see the pressure Christians are on. Either to make money or to marry or to have children or to, you know, do all kinds of things. And you can't differentiate their pressure from the pressure of the unbeliever. You can't. The pressure Christians put themselves on for all these things. That's why the, you know... Uh, mercantile pastors and bishops you know trade on those things so a lot of people are going to church just to solve you know those existential problems not anything about god because it has to happen now and the world we live in has allowed us you know tidbits of some people who have said all their lives there was one i read recently a few of us may know the lady young lady she wasn't married but she just wanted to have a child and then she got the child and I think in the process, you know, she, whatever. She died and, you know, so she had the child and then when she goes to the other world. I mean, the type of pressures that Christians allow themselves to be put in. Whereas in the eyes of God, you exist beyond who you are now. You are part of something great. Praise the Lord. The work that God started in Jesus in the resurrection is flowing through you. You're supposed to be a river. The river is flowing through you. And you're ministering life. The Bible says that your water is watering the trees and it's bringing fruits everywhere. God is looking at you and he's saying, that's my son. That's my daughter. That I'm doing great things. And God is looking at eternity to have fellowship with you and tell you dimensions of what he accomplished with you because of your faith and patience. But who wants to hear that? Who really wants to hear that? Luke 20, 38. Okay, let's look at it in the Living Bible or Message or Amplified, any of them. So that we get it. He said, God, read it for me. God is in what? Is God your God? You can't die before God. But the God of the living, to him all are what? Alive. God cannot be late. He's the resurrection. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Let, let me tell you something. You know, 
Listen, Jesus, in one of the situations where he appeared after his resurrection, the Bible says the disciples were all in a room and the door was shut and Jesus appeared. So his body went through the walls, right? Now, you, you are now understand now. Okay, let's say his spirit. So that's why he passed through the world. But when the disciples were still, you know, doubting and all of that, what did he say to them? He said to them, see, I'm not a spirit. I have flesh and bones. He said to them, okay, give me food. And they gave him food and he ate. When he was living, did they open the door? So he still went through the world. So did the food, the bread and fish he ate, how did bread and fish pass through war? You did ask yourself questions, did they read Bible? So, I mean, let's take it that when he came in, he came in pure, pure heaven. But after he had eaten the bread and fish they gave him, how did the bread and fish pass through the wall again? Tell yourself there are dimensions of existence. There are dimensions of existence. Don't let the world bring you down. There are dimensions of existence. Listen, there are joys beyond sex. There are joys beyond money. There are joys beyond anything that you can think of in this world. There are joys beyond them. That's what the faith teaches us. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, shall live. And if he were alive, he shall live forevermore. That's the gospel. Do you know how sweet your life can be if you take off the pressures of this world off of you? And just want to leave Christ. Paul the apostle told us. He says I determined not to know anything among you. Except what? Christ and him crucified. Paul was a man that knew what it meant to be ambitious. That's why when I see ambitious Christians. I, I smile. Because I haven't understood what it's all about. He says I count all things what? But done for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. For whom the world has been crucified to me. And he's the only treasure you can hold on. Because he's the only one that will last forever. He's the only one that if you win him, you'll be a champion forever. Our theme for our last program was stars forever, right? What, do you want to be a, a shooting star? You're a star for 10 years and that's all. Then they bury you. Your, the body is decaying. No, you want to be a star that heaven is talking about. That generations after are talking about. Please, believers, the resurrection told us that a man who dies is not over for him. A woman who dies is what? It's not over. It's not over. That's what Jesus proved to us. Remember, the Bible calls Jesus our, the first fruit. So the path he journeyed, apart from paying for our sins and all of that, the path he journeyed, I'm also following through. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our Who for what? The joy that was set before. That joy was not here. The joy was not in Jerusalem. The joy was with the Father. What joy are you looking to? What are the things that depress you? I mean, we're still in this world, so the things of this world will affect you. But it breaks my heart when I see anything hurt my faith, the Christian faith. And, you know, but the same way I get so joyful when I see anything that encourages my faith. Why? Because that is the real me. That is what will last forever. That is who I am. That is what will be with me forever. Praise the Lord. You know, you've had successes. You've had things, you know, you've been most beautiful girl, you know, when you were 16. Now that you're 60... You've been rock star. You've been all of that. But you see, time makes nonsense of these things. I look at these boxers. He say he's the way heavyweight champion. He's carrying the belt and he's posing. And then next six months, somebody just beats the hell out of him. And he's no longer the champion. That's the way this world success is. They just beat you out of it. But there's a glory that never fades. Let's rise on our faith. There's a glory that never ceases. The glory bestowed by the Father. The glory of the children of the Most High God. The saints of God. Those who have a covenant with him. Those that he has brought into the beloved. 
those that he has called to reign in this world as kings and priests, those that have made this world only a place for the demonstration of God's glory. So you will prosper, not because you need to prosper to be affirmed as someone who God's love, but to be an instrument in the hands of God in propelling and prospering his purpose here on earth. It's God doing it in you. You are now a vessel. It doesn't matter to you again. It's just an instrument. It's like those days in the bank, when I was in the bank, and mobile phone came out. Some of us that they didn't give mobile phone, we're very happy. You know why? When we close work on Friday, nobody can reach us till Monday. But when they give you mobile phone, Saturday you're with your family, green, green. Please, there's this customer we need to see. That's the way it works. So today, child of God, I want you to lift up your eyes. God is your God. And he has shown to us by the resurrection. That there is life. Jesus said the thief does not come but to steal, to kill and to destroy. He says, but I've come what? That you may have life and have it what? More abundant. The truth is that your commission while you're on this earth is to be a life giver. The life God puts in you is to give more life. In the process of that giving more life, he might give you the things that the world calls, you know, the good things of life. In some other cases, he might not give you. Do you know why Paul was able to reach his house? He didn't go through the palace. It was through the prison. And God has an interesting way of sending people into the palace through the prison. He did it with Joseph. How did Joseph ever get to the palace of Pharaoh? He went through the prison. How did Caesar's household ever get to hear the gospel of Christ? Because of the prison. So God can take you through anywhere. But if you have your mind fixated that it must be this way or that way, you will be like the disciples who would no longer remember the essential things Jesus said. So this morning, I want you to say to the Lord, you are my treasure like the song sang. I set my heart on you. I put my trust in you. You will be my joy. I don't have this. I don't have that. The world says I need this to be fulfilled, but I have Jesus. Oh Lord, you're more than enough. You are a wellspring of mercy. You are a fountain of life. I live to adore and praise and worship your amazing grace. Somebody needs to, with careless abandon, release himself into the hands of this God because there's so much he wants to do. The world hasn't seen blessing the world hasn't seen prosperity i'm telling you the world hasn't seen glory the world hasn't seen beauty because when the glory of the lord descends on the life of a man a woman that is available for him to use you'll be amazed what god will accomplish but that must never be your goal your goal must be him you must understand it your goal must be him your goal must be him and him alone check the old testament david was anointed king but he never behaved like he wanted the throne he just wanted god when Saul was obstructing him, if he wanted to be king by all means, he would have killed Saul so easily. But he just kept saying, I cannot do this thing and displease God. I cannot kill Saul. He's the anointed of the Lord. I cannot, I cannot, and I cannot. And God himself took David from the wilderness, put him in the palace, and said, I make this promise to you. There shall never cease of you, a descendant of you, to reign in the throne of Israel. That's what God does. He gives you a blessing permanent. He gives you a joy permanent. He gives you a victory permanent. He gives you a standing permanent. He gives you a name that will last forever. Is there anybody hungry for that kind of glory? In this resurrection weekend, can you give him your heart? Give him your life. Tell him, Lord, this is me. King of eternity. I surrender to you. Help me, O Lord. I'm in time. Lord, lift my eyes. Help me to lift my focus and my gaze beyond time. And focus on the King of glory, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
the one with whom nothing is impossible the champion of my faith the author and the finisher of my faith you are my god i just want you to just release your life to him you've been listening to a message by pastor ikina keke of the father's church we are sure you've been blessed we invite you to worship with us at eden center Barnex Guarimpa expressway near next kashinkari abuja for telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.